thank you for joining us tonight. We are going to be back in the book of Titus. We're getting close to wrapping this up. Uh, Lord willing, next week we will finish up our brief study through the book of Titus. Uh, we're going to be in Titus 3 tonight. Titus chapter 3, verse 4 is where we're going to begin. While everybody's flipping to that, I wanted to uh, give you a little announcement on services. Uh, this is something that I've thought about and prayed about a lot over the last uh, few weeks in particular. Uh, we had met a couple of weeks ago outside, and uh, after, after thinking about this a lot, I have decided that I believe that it is, it is important for us to get back in the swing of, of church. Uh, I realize the virus is still going on. I realize the numbers are still uh, going up in some areas. But I believe that as Christians, this is an important time for us to be focusing on the Lord, to be together worshiping the Lord. And so with that said, starting this coming Sunday, uh, July the 26th, we will be meeting at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. No, no uh, Sunday school, nothing like that. We're just going to come. We're going to dig into God's Word, and we're going to spend a few minutes doing that. So we're going to meet weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. We're going to meet in the fellowship hall. I have the chairs spread out very far. There are six feet in every direction around every chair. Uh, and so if you want to come, there's going to be, we're still going to practice the, uh, the social distancings and the things that, uh, that are recommended. Uh, we want to try our best to keep everybody safe. Uh, but I feel like it's very important that we come together and we worship the Lord. So for those of you who feel comfortable and would like to come and be part of these services, then by all means, uh, I'd love to see you. If you don't feel comfortable being indoors with a, with a group of people, then no worries. For those of you who do uh, desire to come, I want you to know that I'll be here on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock and we'll be going through the Word of God. Uh, if, you, if you don't feel comfortable coming, I'll continue to post these sermons online each week. Uh, they will be a little later. It'll take me a little later during the day on Sunday before they go up. So if you're used to watching our Sunday services, just know that they will be up on Sundays, but not quite as early uh, as what you've been seeing them as. Uh, if you decide that you feel comfortable and would like to come any Sunday, we will have masks provided, and I do ask that you would wear a mask if you would, please. Uh, we, we, we want to be safe, as safe as we can. I know some people don't care about wearing masks, and I know they're aggravating, and I don't know if a mask does any good or not. I hear the same things you do. One person says a mask is great, another says a mask doesn't do any good, so I can't tell you. I'm no expert. I don't know, but there's no harm in wearing a mask, and so we'll be indoors. It'll be cool. I do encourage that you wear a mask and try to try to keep your distance. We don't want to take a chance of spreading any germs. Probably at this point, uh, all of us have probably been around someone who's had the virus or a, a, a known someone who has had the virus, or maybe even uh, some of you watching that may come may have had the virus yourself. Uh, so we do want to practice social distancing. Uh, and we are going to do our best to try to be safe. There will be masks and hand sanitizer available. But starting July the 26th at 9 a.m., I'll be here every Sunday morning, uh, unless you hear otherwise, and we'll be spending some time in the Word of the Lord. And I'll give you further updates as we go along and begin to do more things maybe in the future. No Sunday school or anything like that right now. We're just going to focus on uh, meeting up and, and getting into God's Word. So I know that's a long announcement, but that's something that I feel like we need to do, and that's the decision that I think is, is right for us, 
And so I hope that uh, if you feel comfortable, you'll join us. And if you do not feel comfortable or not think it's safe or wise to come back right now, then by all means, uh, do what you feel comfortable doing. And uh, may God bless all of us, whether we're here, whether at home, wherever it may be, as we seek him during this time and, and, and pray to him during this time, may God bless each of us uh, wherever we are. Now, with that being said, let's pray, and then we'll get into Titus 3. Father God, we come to you, and I thank you for these good words. And I pray that we're getting something as we study this book of Titus. I pray that it's something that we can learn from, and I pray that we would learn from what your words say tonight, dear Lord, that we would stand firm on the goodness and the truth of Jesus Christ. I pray that we would do our best to live in a way that's pleasing to you, dear Lord, that we would do good works, that we would not get caught up in things that don't matter, but we would we would continue to focus on things that do. And I pray that in all we do, you'll be glorified. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Titus 3, verse 4 is where we will start. Uh, we only read a few verses last week, a very brief uh, 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 talk we had in the first three verses of Titus 3. And, and Paul is getting ready to conclude his letter to Titus here. Paul had written to Titus and given him instructions of, about the people of Crete and said, okay, you need to build up some elders. You need to, you need to be able to combat false teachers with the truth. Uh, you need to teach these people to stand strong, uh, to impart their wisdom onto younger people. You need to build up a good, strong Christian community there. That was a real brief overview of what Paul has said so far to Titus. And in last week's message, at the beginning of Titus chapter 3, uh, at the end of verse 2, he says, Always show gentleness to all people. Now, that was a good instruction for them, and it's a good instruction for us. It's a hard instruction to live out. But when Paul says, look, always showing gentleness to all people, he then goes on to say, remembering that you too were once like them. You too were once foolish. You too were once disobedient. You too uh, were once living in sin. Uh, you too once were living in darkness. You haven't seen the light. You didn't know uh, right from wrong. And so therefore... Now that you've received grace and mercy, uh, be, be, uh, show gentleness to all people because you used to be like them, but you are no longer like them. That's what Paul is going to say today to Titus. Even though uh, as sinners, we all used to be lost sinners, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we become saved sinners. So we used to be foolish and disobedient and living in darkness. But in verse 4, where we start tonight, Titus chapter 3, verse 4, but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Now, this follows up the statement that we looked at last week, that we used to be foolish, disobedient, all of those things. But when Jesus Christ came onto the scene, the Son of God, who gave his life on the cross, who redeemed us, who paid the price for our sins, who took the punishment that we deserve, when he came, Jesus Christ came, he saved us. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he saved us. We used to be sinners living in sin, going to die in our sin and be separated from God. But when Jesus came and we put our faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross, we are now saved sinners. Our sin has been paid for. Our sins have been forgiven in Jesus Christ. So we used to be sinners, but now we are sinners saved by grace. Let's continue on in verse five. He saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. Now, we need to get that. We need to remember that. 
We are not saved and forgiven of our sins. We are not redeemed. We do not have salvation because of anything that we have done. Now, we may do some good works. We should do good works. After all, uh, we've already seen that, that, that Paul has told Titus to tell the people that here in this very book. Yes, it's good for Christians to do good works. That's what God calls us to. But there is no one in the history of the world, nor ever will be in the history of the world, anyone who is going to be saved by the works that they do. Let me say that one more time. You are not going to be saved. You're not going to be forgiven. You're not going to be redeemed because you have done a lot of good works in this life. Now, we should do good works. We do good works because we are saved by our faith. We are saved when we put our faith in Jesus Christ to know that he has paid the price, that he has taken the punishment for our sins that we deserve, that he has given us grace that we do not deserve, that he has given us mercy that we do not deserve. Mercy is, 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 is not giving someone what they deserve. What we deserve is to be punished because we are evil, sinful people. But when it says that God here gave us mercy through Jesus Christ, it means that he did not give us what we deserve. Grace, on the other hand, goes further than that. Not only does he not give us what we, des what, uh, what we deserve in mercy, he gives us more than we deserve with grace. He gives us what we do not deserve. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us love. He gives us an opportunity to be with him for all of eternity and for all of our sins to be forgiven. Now, that is what we don't deserve. Not only do we get what we uh, not only do we not get what we deserve, we also get what we do not deserve when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It goes on to say in verse 5, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Now, we see these types of terms throughout the New Testament, especially washing, regeneration, renewal. Uh, maybe your translation may say rebirth, or maybe we see verses that talk about being born again, or we see verses that talk about being a new creation, or verses that talk about being transformed. Well, all of these words and all of these different things kind of talk about the same thing. Uh, they're, they're, they're saying that we used to be a certain way, as Paul has already pointed out in the verses prior. We used to be sinners, but we have been regenerated. We have been washed. We have been made clean. Now, we understand the idea of washing. Uh, probably everybody watching this has at some point in time been dirty. If you've worked outside, maybe you've, uh, you've worked in a flower bed, any kind of job just about that we do that, that has dirt around, we are going to get dirty. We are going to get sweaty. We are going to get nasty. Now, most of us probably, I would think, Whenever we get that way, we can't wait to get to where we can shower off, where we can bathe, where we can be made clean. We want to get that nasty stuff off. You just can't get comfortable, right, until you get clean. With all that nastiness that is on you, you just feel sticky and icky and dirty, and you just can't get comfortable. But boy, it feels good when you get that shower, right? When you bathe, when you get all of that dirt off of you and all of that sweat and all of that grime comes off of you. Boy, you feel great. You can relax. And that's what Jesus Christ does for us. We are washed, as the Bible says, by his blood. He makes us clean. 
by the shedding of his blood, our sins are forgiven. We are regenerated. We are renewed. We are reborn. We are a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. And Paul says here, look, we're saved by grace. We're saved by his mercy, not according to our works. And when that salvation comes, we are transformed from our old sinful way into a new way that's in Jesus Christ. And what happens when that occurs? It comes by the renewal by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. God is in us. God is guiding us. God is instructing us. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Jesus told his disciples before he left, he said, look, I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send someone for you, a comforter, a counselor, and that's who the Holy Spirit is. When we come to Jesus Christ, he, the Holy Spirit, indwells in us. We are a new creation, and God is at work in us at all times. Let's read on a little further. Verse 6. He poured out the Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. Well, there's what we just talked about, that grace that comes through who? It comes through Jesus Christ. Once we accept Jesus Christ, once we've received that grace, once we are filled with the Holy Spirit, what happens then? We become heirs in the hope of eternal life. We are, we are sons and daughters of God. Therefore, as children of God, we experience the blessings of God. Not just in this life. God does bless us some in this life, praise the Lord. But we are going to experience his blessings abundantly over and above anything we can imagine when we are with him for all of eternity. And that's our hope. We hope for that day that we are with the Lord when we escape this sinful world. We hope for that eternal life that comes through Jesus Christ. Now, this is good stuff. This is real, real simple stuff, he says in verses 4 and 5. He spells out the gospel of Jesus Christ in a simple way, that we used to be sinners. But look, if you are a sinner tonight watching this, you can be one of those who says, I used to be a sinner. Well, how can you say that? You say that by coming to Jesus Christ, by hearing what, what uh, Paul says here. Look, Jesus Christ appeared to us, and because of his death on the cross, because of his uh, resurrection when he rose three days later, he was victorious over sin and death, and he wants to give that victory to you. And he gives you mercy and he gives you grace, not that you deserve it, but because he loves you. He loves you so much he was willing to die for you even though you didn't deserve it, even though I didn't deserve it. Jesus Christ has done that for us. And when we put our faith in him, we are now his. And we can say, boy, I used to be a sinner, but now I'm a sinner who's been saved by grace. Let's read a little further. In verse 8, this saying is trustworthy. So all of these things that, that Paul has said to this point, these things are trustworthy. You can bank on these things. You can depend on these things. These things are a firm foundation. What things? The things that he has just told us about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who we can trust in, who gives us mercy and grace and forgiveness. This is the gospel. These things are trustworthy. 
these are the things, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we uh, live out in our life, that we tell a world uh, that is lost and dying. This same truth that Paul told to Titus is the same truth that you and I are trying to get out to the world today by our words and by our actions. Why? Because we can trust these things. These things are trustworthy. They are true. They are a firm foundation. We can build on. We can depend upon. It will not crumble. Now, our world needs things that are trustworthy and true that will not crumble, that they can depend upon. Why? Because everything in this world is crumbling. And it has been, and it will continue to crumble until the day of Christ comes. No matter what generation people have lived in from now until that time Jesus Christ returns, uh, there is going to be a world that is in conflict, that is in pain, that is with sorrow, a world that is crumbling, a world with foundations that people put their trust in that will only let them down, a world full of people who will only let you down. The only thing we can depend upon that is a true foundation that we can trust in that will not crumble is Jesus Christ. And this saying is trustworthy. You can bake on it. You can take it to the bank. Paul says, what I've just told you, you can trust in this because this is the truth. Let's read a little further. This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who believe, who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are profitable, excuse me, these are good and profitable for everyone. Now, Paul has told Titus the message. He's given him these instructions throughout this book, and he says, I want you to insist on these things. Insist that this is the way things are to be done. And that's true of all of what we see in Scripture. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are to insist on these things. We are to insist on the Word of God, to insist that the Word of God is true, to insist that the Word of God is what we to live by, what we are to live by, to insist that even if it's difficult, even if people don't want to hear it, we still insist that Jesus Christ is Lord and we trust what God's word says. And Paul tells Titus, look, insist on these things that I've told you. These are good and trustworthy things. Insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. Now, we'll talk about that a little more next week, but Paul says here, devote yourself to good works. Well, that's what we are called to do. Listen to what God's Word says. Insist on these things in our life that we live in a way that we carry out what God's Word says, and that we insist on these things even to a lost and dying world who do not want to hear the truth of God's Word. These are good and profitable for everyone. All the things that Paul has told Titus are good and profitable for everyone. We try to find goodness uh, and we try to find comfort and security in the world, but the things that we really need that are good for us are found in God's Word and found uh, more so uh, in Jesus Christ. Everything that we need is found in Jesus Christ. Everything that we need is found in God's Word. That's what we build our trust on and our foundation on. And all the things we see in this book, all the things that are of God are good things. They are good for us. The world offers many things to us that are not good for us. The devil makes things of the world look good to us, but they are not good to us. Jesus Christ is good to us and for us. God's word is good to us 
and for us. Therefore, we need to insist on these things, as Paul says. We need to devote ourselves to these things, to the good works that God has called us to. These are the things that we need to do. Insist on the good. Devote ourselves to good works. Trust in Jesus Christ. But what are the things we do not need to do? Well, he tells us that in the next verse. Verse 9. But avoid foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels, and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a divisive person after a first and second warning, knowing that such a person is perverted in sins, being self-condemned. Now Paul tells us what we need to do, but he also tells us what we do not need to do. We do not, he says, need to be involved in foolish debates. He says to avoid such things. Now, he goes on to say other things as well, genealogies, quarrels, and disputes about the law. So what are we to make of those verses? Because oftentimes we may see Christians debating and talking about such things. Well, there may be good debates for us to have, but he says here to avoid foolish debates. Now, some of the things maybe that we debate and God's word are quite foolish. They are not really beneficial to us one way or another. There are things in God's word that we are interested in that maybe we just do not understand. When we read God's word, we have different interpretations and opinions on what certain things may say or may mean. Some of those things are of no real importance. They do not really have an impact or effect on our salvation. Now, of course, Jesus Christ is of the utmost importance. Anyone that says God's word does not point to Jesus Christ, any, anyone that wants to uh, try to point us away from Jesus Christ or, or deny the work of Jesus Christ, anyone who says those things, well, I would, I would debate on those things. I would discuss those things. I would try to point out God's word and lead people in the way of Jesus Christ. I feel like that that is the primary issue of Scripture and that is what we should focus on because our salvation depends on Jesus Christ and Christ alone. There are other things that maybe people in Scripture disagree upon. Our salvation uh, does not rest on such things. I'll give you an example uh, that is common, so common. I hear it all the time. Uh, and that is the debate over whether the earth was created in seven literal days or whether a longer period of time. Uh, was the days talked about a thousand years? Was it millions of years? Uh, what are we to make of this? Now, we probably all have opinions on whether we take the seven days literally or whether we think it was thousands of years or millions of years. And we all have our reasons why we think that and our scriptures that we use to back that up. And it's a good thing to discuss. It's fun to discuss. I've discussed it with people who have different views uh, than myself. And it's okay to discuss some of these things. Uh, iron sharpens iron, so one man uh, sharpens another, the scripture says. There are things that we look at in scripture and we say, I don't know, what do you think that says? And, well, I don't agree with that, but, but maybe you're right. And we get things and we look at them, and that's a healthy thing. That's a good thing. But that type of discussion on how long did it take the world to be created is what I would call a secondary issue. I would say that that's not of the utmost importance. And if we differ on that, then it does not affect our salvation. That is, that none of us are going to stand before God one day and God is going to say, 
Well, I see here you trusted in Jesus Christ. You lived a pretty good, pretty good life. You did some pretty good works. Your sins have been forgiven by Jesus. But oh, by the way, how do you view the days of creation? Well, God, I believe it was seven literal days. He says, uh-uh-uh. It was really 7,000 years. You're done. Or you get up there and you say, God, I believe it was seven million years or a trillion years. I believe that it was symbolic language. And God says, well, that's too bad. It was seven literal days. You don't make the cut. Now, I don't believe that that is at all going to be the case because that's not what the Bible says is most important. What is most important is that we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And there are some of those things that we may differ on. But we have to make sure we don't fall into the category that they become so important to us that we become more concerned with preaching and teaching secondary issues that don't have an effect on the salvation of people's souls uh, than we do of Jesus Christ and that we get so caught up in those things that they become foolish debates. Now, I think it's good to discuss differences. I think it's okay to discuss differences. But we cannot allow them to lead to foolish debates. He says the same thing about genealogies, to avoid genealogies. Now, in the context here, I'm not sure exactly what he meant. One thing he may have been talking about is that some people may have been trying to uh, look back at their genealogy and their family line to see what tribe of Israel they were from. Uh, uh, that would have been a very important thing for the people of, of the day that this was written. And, and, and still is a very important thing for some people today. They really get involved in going back as far as they can in their family line to see if they are a Jewish descendant or not. Now, maybe that's what he's talking about. Look, your genealogy doesn't matter because the Bible says there is no Jew or there is no Greek in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter. All who are in Christ are in Christ. It doesn't matter what your genealogy is, who you are descended from, because once you put your faith in Christ... You are now a child of God. That's your family. That's your lineage. Jesus Christ. Now, that could be what he's talking about there. I, I tend to lean toward maybe that that's what he's discussing there. I don't think that genealogies in and of themselves are bad. There are some people who love to look at their family history. Uh, it's fun and it's, it's, uh, it's something that they enjoy doing. And I don't think that that's an evil, sinful thing. I don't think that just uh, seeing a genealogy in and of itself is evil. After all, the Bible is full of genealogies. Uh, so when it says avoid genealogies, does that mean when we read through Scripture, we are to skip over all the ones that say so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so? Well, I don't think that that's exactly what this is meaning. I think he's saying, look, don't get caught up in these things. Don't let them consume you, these foolish debates, these genealogies. Don't let these things just overwhelm you and consume you and let, let that be all you discuss. Now, we may want to skip over those genealogies when we read Scripture uh, because, let's be honest, that's kind of tough when you read chapter after chapter of so-and-so begets so-and-so or a bunch of names of people who serve the king. Like, those things are maybe not the most interesting read in Scripture, uh, but we should uh, not skip over those things. We should read them at least occasionally. Uh, who knows? Maybe there will be in something be something in there one day that will uh, catch your attention. So when he says avoid uh, genealogies, I don't think he means to skip over those things. I think he means don't get consumed by them. Don't get so worried about uh, what your family history is and, and what your bloodline is, but rather trust in Jesus Christ. He goes on to say avoid quarrels. Well, that's pretty, pretty simple. We don't want to quarrel with one another. He says, and disputes about the law. 
Now, these things still come up today, and this is a much deeper topic than we will delve into now. But like foolish debates and genealogies, it's easy for us to get caught up in, in discussions about the law. Now, what he's talking about here uh, is the law of Moses, the Old Testament law. Uh, we can get consumed with any of these types of things, though, that we put Jesus on the back burner and we fall into the trap of being religious. Now, that was the problem of the, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and those who often came against Jesus. These were the types of things that they were consumed with. Foolish debates, uh, genealogies, things of the law. These were the very types of things that they were consumed by, and they missed Jesus because they were more focused on those things. Now, Paul doesn't want us to make the same mistake here, so we need to make sure that if we discuss these things, I think that is okay, but we have to make sure that we don't let ourselves get out of control and remember that our identity is in Jesus Christ and in nothing else. There may be things that we disagree on in Scripture or have different interpretations on, uh, but I believe if we stand firm on Jesus Christ that there are some of these things that we just have to agree to disagree. Uh, verse 10, reject a divisive person after a first or second warning, knowing that such a person is perverted in sins, being self-condemned. Now, this is, again, pretty simple instruction. Reject a divisive person. We don't want people who are going to cause conflict uh, amongst the, uh, the, the brothers and sisters in Christ uh, and any kind of gathering where Christians come together. You don't want one who is going to be divisive, who is going to bring conflict, who is going to bring divisions, who is going to stir up trouble. Now, it says to reject such a person after a first or second warning. If there is someone like that ever in your midst, uh, in particular, uh, when you meet with a group of, of other Christians or maybe just someone in your life or someone even in your church, when we encounter those people, we try to warn them. We try to say, okay, what's going on? Uh, you know, this is not the right way to act. And if that person refuses to acknowledge their sinfulness and continue to be divisive and stir up trouble, then that has to be addressed and has to be dealt with. And Paul says to reject such a person. Now, we have to be prayerful when we do that. We have to be prayerful and we have to be careful. Don't ever uh, go into any situation uh, too quickly. I think we need to seek the Lord in those types of situations in our lives. Uh, but we may encounter people who are that way. We need to check ourselves to make sure that we are not the person who is that way, that we are not being divisive, that we are not causing conflict, that we are not in the wrong. Perhaps it's we need to check ourselves. Perhaps we are the ones who need to change because we don't want to be guilty, brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, of messing up God's work, of standing in the way of God's work, causing division among God's people. Now, we've covered a lot of stuff here tonight, and we will pick up and conclude the book next week, Lord willing. But let us remember the good words that Paul said. Let us stand firm on this saying that is trustworthy and true. Let us not trust in these other things that may get us off track. Let us not trust in the world but let us trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because his death on the cross is something we can trust in and build upon, something that will not crumble because he resurrected, he is victorious over sin and death, and he wants to give you the victory today if you put your faith in him. And I hope tonight, if you hadn't done that, boy, I hope you will tonight. Let's pray. God, we come to you and I thank you for these good words. And I pray that you just bless everything we've discussed tonight. I pray that you help us, dear Lord, to check ourselves, to make sure that we're not uh, a divisive person that's causing trouble 
amongst your, your people, dear Lord, and in your kingdom. I pray, God, that you would help us to stand on the truth, the beautiful truth of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, and we thank you for the sacrifice that he gave for us. God, I pray that you help us to avoid things that are unhealthy for us. God, to, to talk about your word and discuss it, even the things that are different, but help us never to get caught up in foolishness about the law and debating things and and genealogies, dear Lord, let us not get focused on those things and overwhelmed by them. God, let us put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and let him and let your word guide us in everything that we do. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvn at me.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.